0: Dear family and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ who invites you again this day to come and see. It was a cold, dark winter on campus in 1996, Montana State University. A winter so full of snow you couldn't help but identify with the old British poet, George Herbert, who has this famous line, every mile is two in winter. Every mile is two in winter. And in the midst of this cold, dark winter was the warmth of a beautiful young co-ed named Sage, a sophomore, a philosophy major. She'd been invited by one of her skiing buddies, named Greta, to attend an evening candlelight service at our Center for Campus Ministry, where I served as a university chaplain. With her floral printed peasant dress, long flowing hair and Birkenstock sandals with heavy woolen socks to push through all that snow, Sage looked like she just stepped right out of the 60s, daisies and all. I loved it. Well, after the candlelight service concluded, Sage introduced herself to me and said, Pastor John, I've been going around for several years now with a hole, with a hole in my heart, missing something I've never had but know it's there, searching for relevance, when it's really truth I've been searching for. You know that truth that gives life its meaning beyond the daily grind. And Sage paused for a moment, pondering. You know, like something that's more than our nailed-down world, our flat-earth society, with all of our accumulated stuff that never really satisfies. You know, like do you ever listen to the Rolling Stones?" I said, yes. (laughs) Well, she continued, I've been searching for this something, that even the best of science and technology, after all, just becomes old news, changing every day, just fades. I mean, you know, like a person who marries the spirit of the times, soon finds herself a widow, for relevance is here today, gone tomorrow. I'm looking for truth, not relevance. Another pause. Sage threw back her hair, started to beam like a human exclamation point that was set on fire. But tonight, pointed Sage, tonight, as I was invited by Greta here to this candlelight service, hearing God's word for us, and like, you know, that communion thing? Well, that something found me. God's grace, forgiveness, hope, and that I'm loved unconditionally as a child of God. She stopped and then paused again. And she said, you know that something, it's found me. I told you she was a philosophy major. A few months later, Sage was baptized with her friend Greta as her sponsor, along with another friend who was an engineering student at the time, who later went on to seminary and came to be a well-beloved pastor here at First Lutheran Church. His name was Jason Burgraff. I've got a great picture of Jason I'm going to put out in the atrium so you can see Jason with hair halfway down his back. It's wonderful. Well, because of the spirit of this come and see among the students, our Lutheran campus ministry from 95 to 97 became the fastest-growing campus ministry in the ELCA with over 200 students in just a couple years. Now, there's a biblical story that cradles this story, a story, older still, that gives spirit and breath to the story of Greta and Sage. It's our gospel text for today that also includes the human exclamation point that's on fire in the name of John the Baptist. If you have your Bibles with you today or your phones, look at verses 29 and 35 that precede our text today. Listen to that voice that rings down through the hills and valleys that comes through the centuries entering our hearing this day as John points to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You'll note there, exclamation points, twice. And upon hearing this word, two of John's followers, including one named Andrew, soft-pedaled their Birkenstocks following Jesus. And seeing them standing there with... Holes in their heart, Jesus asked them, What are you seeking? And they answered, Where are you staying? Come and see, said he. And in their following, the hole in their heart was filled to overflowing. I was really taken by Val's children's sermon. I'd like you to think about this, where she says, It's not so much that seeing is believing. But believing is seen. Now this overflowing is witnessed in one of the most precious sentences in all of the New Testament in verse 41 where we read, and Andrew brought his brother, Simon, to Jesus. My friends, this is our call too, to bring family, friends, strangers to Jesus. So then together with Andrew and Simon Peter, Jesus finds Philip there in verse 43, and Jesus says, come and see. And in his following, Philip comes to find that hole in his heart had been filled with the stuff of God's grace in the person of Jesus. My friends, do you see Do you see the wonder of the ways in which all of these unholy hearts are filled by Jesus' presence, by simple three words of come and see? Yes, who is the wellspring and font of this invitation of come and see but Christ himself? He is the sound of the voice of And perhaps that light touch of a hand on your shoulder. The one that someone sages something who we begin to know only by following. And as we follow, we become such as we are. Christ's church, which is to say, his body. A weak thing in most ways, half-hearted and of little faith, but full of hope for all of that and the only body that Christ has in His world, the only hands and feet who calls us to be instruments of His grace and His peace. And such is His power that, even through us, others may be led to follow, too. My friends, this simple yet profound come-and-see invitation into the bosom of Christ's church is the very heart of our calling. The domino effect moved by the inertia of God's inviting welcoming grace as his ongoing body in the world, his church in every generation. The eminent Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann puts it this way in his little book Cadences of Home. The new reality of the gospel's light that breaks the darkness of our world Giving us faith and hope is not really available until it is spoken with an invitation. What happens in the Bible, continues Walter, and in the community that continues to attend to the Bible is a chain of witnesses, so writes Brueggemann. Now what I'm about to say needs to be said very carefully because the intent is not to in any way shape or form detract from the once and for all saving, claiming, promising, sheer, unconditional gift of God that comes to us in baptism, which I'll be focusing on in another sermon at the 11 o'clock. So what needs to be said with a clarion voice like Jesus to Andrew, Andrew to Simon Peter, Jesus to Philip, Philip to Nathaniel is this, that the come and see of the gospel has in many ways become a God in me in our time. Much like Israel forgetting her great commission that began with Abraham and Sarah in chapter 12 of Genesis, they were called. They were called by God of being blessed to be a blessing. It's also true for God's chosen people in the church today, especially Lutherans, who often forget as well this great commission, echoing down through the years of Jesus in chapter 28 of Matthew to go make disciples. We claim and remember baptism, and we should for it's a life-saving gift of God. It's our identity as being claimed and beloved children of God. However, and this needs to be said carefully, we're not only called by Christ to claim this saving gift, but also to proclaim it, to share the saving word, namely Jesus himself. Come and see as with Andrew inviting Simon, Greta with Sage, come and see Christ in worship. Come and see Christ at the banquet, St. Francis' house, or church on the street. Come and see Christ among the quilters. Small group Bible studies are grieving with grace. Come and see Christ in the shop, project car, youth group, Sunday school, confirmation. Yes, come and see Jesus in community and fellowship in the needs of others. These aren't abstractions. This is real flesh and blood. As Jesus says, this is my body given for you. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. As we've just heard earlier in our service today, God in flesh made manifest. As the world-renowned missiologist Leslie Newbegin observes in his book, The Open Secret, now some 42 years ago, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers and administrators of the aquarium. But take courage and renewed hope as God's word comes to us again this day. An inviting, abounding word of God's grace and forgiveness in Christ that's persistent, that continues to seek us out, is steadfast. Listen carefully again to our Old Testament lesson from 1 Samuel 3. But the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Here's that sense of come. There was no frequent vision. Here's the scene. Family and friends in Christ, God is not too big, but that he stoops down like a caring mother to pick us up again when we've fallen. God reaches us in the most lowly of times and places, in the sounds of silence when we're suffering a bad case of what I'd call Lutheran laryngitis, in a manger, in meekness, even in death. The American farmer poet Wendell Berry puts it this way, The world became darker and darker and darker, and then Jesus was born. Jesus is born. And in these swaddling claws of God, God enfolds us and invites us to enfold others into this welcoming, warming light. And so we'll hear the lyrics of the hymn of the day in just a couple minutes. Lord, speak to us that we might speak. And please be attentive, watching these lyrics in verses 3 and 4. Yes, people are the words by which God continues to tell God's story of salvation, and that's through you. To conclude, never ever feel that you can't be a part of this amazing, ongoing equation of one plus one plus one plus one that continues up into the very infinity of God's grace, the love of God in Christ Jesus. I know. I know. I'm aware of it. You're probably sitting there saying, I didn't go to seminary. I don't know enough. I'm not some street corner evangelist. But the profundity of is in its spirited simplicity. Just think of Greta's invitation as sage to invite people, come and see. My friends, this is the very heart of mission, why the church even exists. As Christ's ongoing body in the world, donned with floral pattern, peasant dresses, long hair, and Perkin stocks. And when we share it, listen to how God describes the sensation to Samuel. Again, in our Old Testament lesson. And the word of the Lord came and stood forth, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Note again, two exclamation points. And Samuel said, speak, for thy servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of every person who hears it will Tingle. Oh, may it be so also among us that God's word might go forth, tingling and mingling in us and through us. Amen.